0: Hi, my name is Eric.
1: And I'm Shalila, and this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies and their place in our culture.
0: (laughs) We're talking about Black Widow. Well, per usual, I think we should probably start with just talking a little bit about what the movie is uh, and then give ourselves a little non-spoiler kind of our two sentences, do we each recommend it or do we not, uh, before we dive into spoiler zone. How's that sound?
1: Sounds perfect.
0: All right, cool. So... Black Widow, uh, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by the Walt Disney Corporation, uh, it is the solo film, the first, and I guess only, uh, solo film for Scarlett Johansson's, uh, character that she's been portraying since 2010, uh, I believe it was 2010's Iron Man 2, um, and, yeah, it's like their first film, uh, in their new sort of saga that they're starting, um, yeah, and it's, uh, uh, she finally got her movie, which I feel like has been a long time coming, obviously. Um, and it is, uh, this is very much their, I, you know what, I actually thought it was weird. Like, everyone kept saying like, oh, they finally made their spy movie, but we already had that. That was Winter Soldier. Like, yeah. I feel like Winter Soldier was very much the the hardcore spy movie. This one, there's not much spying going on. I don't know what to call this really, but it's not, I mean, I, it's almost, it's like weird because that's her whole shtick is she is a spy, but that's just not what this is. It's, I don't really know what else to call it. I, I, I it's more like a, um, actually, I don't know if, if you'll agree with me on this, but the thing it reminded me the most of was Spy Kids. Like the, the conceit and, and the chemistry and even the way that it's like what is actually emphasized, it reminded me a lot of Spy Kids, which I don't think you would call a spy movie either, despite its name. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's it's their Spy Kids movie.
1: It does have a lot of parallels, now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah, the plot's also not, not the same. <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying it's, it is the same. It is
1: not dissimilar. <laughs> but it
0: is not dissimilar, like at all. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Yeah, we can, I don't di- know we can I want more to that. I know fully open
1: that door. That could be an episode. <laughs>
0: If Carla Gugino does not become a Black Widow, I'm going to be poosed. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's that's kind of the look into what it is. Uh, this movie follows uh, Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, uh, prior to the events of Avengers Endgame as she uh, looks for her long-lost family uh, and goes after an old enemy. That's probably the best non-spoiler way I can describe the movie. Um, so Shalila, hit us with it. What was your... What was your take? How did you feel in the non-spoilery?
1: Okay, so this is the movie that finally smacked me with the all-consuming feeling of, God damn, I miss the movie theaters. Mm. I know we sort of opened with this, but man, until this movie, every movie I saw, including Tenet, everything I saw in the past one and a half years, I was like, well, you know, I do miss the theaters because it's like the biggest part of my identity, but whatever. I, I I've got a big TV. I'm I'm all right. But this is the one. This is the one where, ooh, this is a good movie. I really liked this movie actually, and it did grow on me. Really? And
0: I was gonna man, say that's I not your. I didn't like it that much That at wasn't the your first test. Now I like it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, it didn't grow that much, but it grew by a star. Uh, ooh. which is a a growth. That's growth. Yeah. Um, I liked it, man. This was really fun, and I the more I liked about it, and the more correct and right and fun it felt the more bittersweet it made you think about the fact that we get a black widow movie this late and that obviously this is kind of all we get for her black widow at least yeah um so it kind of made me really sad but in a good way I think. uh I thought it was real fun um the ca- the characters felt very fresh and there were a lot of elements of this movie that felt, non-Marvely in a good way. Uh mm-hmm. I thought there were just so many things that were very brave of it. Not brave in cinema. Like this wasn't like a brave over <laughs> cinematically <movie>. brave, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was uh it was genuinely brave and different for a Marvel movie. Uh there were a lot of elements, like the opening credits where I was like, what am I watching? I like this a lot. This is different. Um and I think it it lends itself stunningly well to somebody who doesn't know anything about the MCU, but is also a really, really nice Black Widow vehicle for somebody who's a big fan. So I think that's difficult to do. I loved that about it. Um, and I thought that there were many, many, many good elements to this movie. And that all of my qualms with it would be honestly kind of superficial. So I thought it was a fun ride. I don't think it's a perfect movie. That's fine. Um, it's a it's a good movie. This was a really fun, action-y, espionage romp. Romp is a word? Yeah. How did I feel about Black Widow? Uh, I
0: am uh, in the same boat as you, I think, at least for the most part. I thought it was very... It felt a little bit like... uh, I guess kind of like a return to form from... Not not return to form. That kind of sounds like they went off track. Um, It feels like a return to a little bit of an older Marvel that we haven't seen in a while. um, Where it's because it is self-contained and it has to be self-contained by virtue of endgame spoilers, I guess, um, uh, uh, it kind of felt like the fun, purely just like serotonin, enjoy actors being good at what they do and having fun on a screen kind of romp that they did pretty well um, kind of back in the earlier 2010s. Um and this is not to say I don't enjoy a lot of the later stuff. I just think it is a big deviation away from, say, obviously Endgame Infinity War, but also, you know, even things like uh even things like um the the first Spider-Man movie, they all require a lot of uh they're all very tied to the MCU and they know it and they push it and they, you know, it's 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 all very connected and there's a lot of kind of dourness that goes with it because of it. And I think what I enjoyed about this one a lot is that this is like you just mentioned the opening credits, like this is one of the darker MCU movies, like right off the bat. Like this it is the 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 backdrop is very dark. Uh like incredibly evil, and not in like a comic booky way. Like and in a real life, Jesus, I can't believe this is like the story they're going for way. And what I think I liked about it is they, like, took that backdrop and they just threw a bunch of, like, but this is their whole life so they can just joke about it. Like, it's just, like, people sitting down and enjoying a family dinner amongst depravity in a way that was, I think, very enjoyable. Um, In a way that felt kind of, like, antithetical to what we've seen from Marvel before. So, I liked that a lot. Um, It's not suffocated by its own dourness. It's not, uh, it's, uh light and and enjoyable and the 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 cast i think is everything um the main four cast members are just truly out of this world um uh, i really enjoyed that so yeah uh, i think like what you said like i have issues with it it's not a perfect movie at all there's a lot of messiness but honestly like i feel like none of them really matter too terribly much uh it's like it didn't hurt my enjoyment it was more of just like a there's things they probably could have done to elevate it, and if life had been a little bit different but for the most part, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. So it sounds like our recommendation is see it, especially in the theater. Yeah. I, I What's interesting, I think this will be our first point of deviation a little bit. So you saw it in your house. I saw it at the theater, if I'm understanding correctly. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm fully on go see it in the theater bus, which is a wild thing for me to say because i'm always advocating people watch things in theaters um one of my complaints there's a little bit of messy cgi in this movie <laughs> there's some messy vfx really yeah there's a little bit of a little bit of weak vfx um i don't really know what's going on i i'm assuming it has something to do with the fact that this movie was finished during the quarantine um on top of the fact that like every single year vfx houses get essentially weaker and weaker as a result of lack of unions and and uh, lots of industry problems in Hollywood. Uh, but there's a little bit of weak VFX that is noticeable, especially when the movie reaches its, its peak points, when it's really trying to do a lot. And I think that on a 60-foot screen, that is a lot more noticeable than when you're at home. On the flip side of things, the quality of your screen at home is usually much better than the quality of the movie screen. So... I don't, I don't I it's almost like I'm split right down the middle you might you might actually notice it better at home or but you might not I don't know else to say that interesting yeah
1: I'll say I'll say a quick thing about why I think I wish I'd seen in the theaters honestly I I think that I personally would just have not noticed the cgi thing uh sometimes I just I just willingly scan over stuff I just don't want to see like if it's bad sure. cgi I'm like well what I don't know a fun movie um so i will I will deliberately not see that if that makes sense. Uh, I think for me, i was I was watching it and and there were just so many moments where I know that if I had seen that exact scene two years ago on a big screen, there would be like a roller coaster style thrill that would jump in my chest and I would say, "Oh my God, wow, I love this. This is why I like these stupid superhero movies. This is why they get me going." And every time I thought I should feel that thrill, I just kind of felt, ah, you know, and I just, I just wanted, I wanted that, that beautiful return to the joy you feel from watching a Marvel movie on a big screen. I just wanted it and it feels right. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot that one can say about Marvel and its place in cinema. And we sure have talked about it on a specific episode as well. Um, But I think that It's hard to argue that it doesn't belong on a big screen. And it almost felt like it felt it just felt sad to me that I wasn't experiencing it properly. If that if that makes sense, like I felt like even if it would expose bigger flaws in the movie or if it would, you know, I don't know, make me feel differently. It still is at home there. And it just felt like I was watching it, not where it's at home, which Mm. made me feel sad. So, yeah, I. I don't know. it It made me it made me sort of hold back the full enjoyment right from the start, just because I was like, no, this belongs where it belongs, which is in an in an epic sense, if that makes sense.
0: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, I th- honestly think that makes a lot of sense in the context of uh, it's jumping off of Black Widow again, unfortunately. But um, the recent Marvel shows, I felt the same kind of thing, but the reverse direction of like sitting down and watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I didn't necessarily love all of it, but there was a lot of it where I was like, man, this would have been really cool to see on the big screen. <laughs> like, uh, like kind of what you just said of like, it feels like a lot of what they do just belongs on a very big screen and in that environment of excitement. And, you know, watching him like hella drop out of this, this carrier into a Canyon and have these big cinematic things. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But like, I bet it'd be a lot cooler if it was 60 feet in the sky. Uh, that would be my guess. Um, Loki has some of those same things. There's some moments where I'm like, man, that reveal would have been something if it had been towering over me kind of a thing. Um, versus WandaVision, I think, was like obviously needed and was perfect for the medium it was in. It had to be on TV and it it knew it and it did it well. So, I think that's interesting that you talk about sort of them being there's something about these movies that necessitates that experience um, and maybe even loses value if you get outside of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so those are our our non spoiler takes. So I guess uh, let's let's dive into spoiler territory. Um, you've you've all been warned. Here we go. Um, Florence Pugh is the highlight of this movie for me. Do you agree? She's like
1: if Florence Pugh is the highlight of my life. <laughs> she's number uh, one. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Florence Pugh, who plays she is incredible. I guess Yelena Black Widow. Did they? I have they, they? haven't confirmed oh, if she's the White Widow, right? She doesn't get that moniker in the movie.
1: Not yet. Right. Okay. So I don't.
0: I'm. I have no clue if they're gonna make her Black Widow or White Widow. But uh, Florence Pugh, who plays Elena, which is Natasha's long lost sister, um, delightful. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. She's just delightful. <laughs> I've only seen Florence Pugh in one other thing. I've only seen her in Little Women because I didn't watch Midsummer because I'm a scaredy cat. And uh, Again, I didn't see that wrestling movie. movie, so yeah, I haven't seen her uh, except in Instagram pictures and videos with Zach Braff, which is always jarring. Wow. Um, don't want to hear that. Yeah, I know. So uh, uh, she's delightful, though. I mean, damn. I, I you know I like Scarlett Johansson is not. I don't think it's exactly the same thing as like acting against Meryl Streep in terms of like she doesn't have the same notoriety. But you're talking about someone who has held that character for 11 straight years and has become an international superstar because of it. And I think there's like a very good reason why that could have been intimidating and I'm sure like was to a degree. And she just holds it, man. Like she, I, they they seemed like they were like they seemed like a uh, uh, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson knew each other when they were younger, and then they haven't talked in ten years. Um, uh, I liked yeah. it a lot. They they I actually pointed this out to Alex. I don't know how else to explain it, but even in their fight scene, they 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 sort of have this dueling scene together. Their interactions reminded me a lot of specifically in episode three with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen and the way that they would operate together and speak to each other and like physically move around each other in those movies in in Revenge of the Sith because they spent so much time like and intentionally part of their, their, their filming was spending an incredible amount of time with the same trainer training together so that like by the time it was filmed everything really truly is second nature like it's not they don't have to undo takes because they they know each other's body language to the point that they can actually react in a way that simulates their characters and that's what this felt like to me it seemed like they must have palled around a lot before during and and after set
1: yeah i can i got that sense too uh although they likely just didn't have that much time to do it uh but it's it did still feel like they were just good friends and, and kind of got each other yeah. I completely agree. By the way, I think I mean I really think she's incredible. I I think that I'm glad you brought brought up that wrestling movie because I will grab any opportunity to talk about it. But if you all haven't watched Fighting with My Family, I think that that's the movie where what that was. So that was the first sort of big thing I saw her in. Um, to my knowledge, it's probably like her first big big international movie. I, I yeah. know she's been in other sort of local British things that I've seen her in before, but they weren't sort of movies that released worldwide on any scale before that one and that movie is a deeply action focused movie by the way is of course there's a lot more depth to it and that's not the story but it is about wrestling and she obviously has stunt doubles but she does a lot of very physical moves and and the movie is about you know the art of pulling that off and learning and and, and it being ingrained in your blood and growing up in an action world and it's not easy to carry off that character uh and she, breezed through basically just being a natural born action star in my eyes in that movie and i could see that if somebody watched that even before she sort of became more of a an american star with little women and other things that could be the audition for this movie in my opinion she was very very good in that um another sort of small thing i want to mention is that ever since that movie or ever since she's really been around in the the world of film and TV she's never really been super super skinny but she's still I mean she's not you know she's still she's still you know pretty skinny but she's not like a size zero and she's still a very popular action star which makes me very happy by the way that that sort of keeps coming up and it never seems to be something that people want her or force her to change and she's I think she's mentioned that she won't um but I just want to say it was really cool to see her not be like nuts skinny like every other female superhero i've ever seen and still be like an a-list lead in this movie um she's just very good at what she does and i think that something that you were hinting at with how she sort of just feels at home is something that sort of speaks to her skills as an actor i've always found that in every role she does she has this sort of grounded calming presence and you can even hear it in her voice. Like she just sounds grounded. She just sounds like she knows what she's doing and she sounds like she's not rattled by what's going on and that feeds and bleeds into her characters. And it's, you know, it's sort of like when you walk into a problem situation at work or something and somebody just comes on and is like, don't worry, we got this. And you're like, okay, I don't know if you know what you're doing, but it's nice to hear <laughs> somebody who sounds like they know what they're doing. I think she's she's that kind of person. And I feel like every marvel character is written in the classic whedon style of being sort of like a a grounded calm-ish person who has occasional snark and deadpan sort of wit right and that's how all the characters kind of are uh but i think that that really really feels at home with her and she just carried it off like so well these many years into the mcu jumping into this kind of movie and across all sort of Elements she was just so at home in something that is very new and could really have not gone that well for any actor. So kudos to her. That was a speech, but I love her so much. Florence Pugh, if you're free on Thursday, I'm also free on Thursday. <laughs> text me.
0: She's great. I I really you know like I said I I haven't seen much of her catalog yet, but I, I so my only exposure to her is Little Women, in which, like we saw her obvious dramatic chops but i i have yet to see any evidence of her comedy prowess and uh she killed it in this movie i mean like truly this is this is up there with i think some i I, this is certainly funnier than a lot of the back half of marvel like this movie was probably in the top three marvel comedies for me like it is, was really funny. Very funny, and a lot of that relies on her. She is just great timing, her deliveries, and and she has a, a very. Um, I think she does a, a lot of sort of physical comedy, like with her facial expressions, in a way that not a lot of other. You know, it's it's not pure slapstick. It's something a little bit in between, and I think it's it's really good. Um, but I'm I'm glad you actually brought up the the idea of her. Uh, you know, not necessarily being very, very like super, super small. Um, that's something that Alex had actually pointed out. Literally, right when we left theater, she's like, "I like Florence Pugh looks like a real person," and that's like something I love about her is she looks like a regular person as opposed to a Hollywood person. Um, I'm just glad you brought that up because the the I think there's another big source of that in this movie for me is David Harbour who plays the Red Guardian, which is Natasha's sort of pseudo adopted father, um, and. Uh, uh he is a david Harbor's a delight <laughs> that guy rocks <laughs> I, I have yet to see something i don't love him in even when his movies aren't good i loved him in hellboy uh with the 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 reboot uh i don't particularly enjoy that movie but he's awesome in it um he's funny like that guy is just, he's he is like a big old guy and you know, same thing as Stranger Things. Like you, you think that he's his comedy will come, or like you think his power as an actor will come from the fact that he's a big, you know, sort of dad action star kind of guy or whatever. But it's just he's hilarious. Um, I really like that about him. But in this movie, one of the other things I love is that this is the first time that Marvel has actually portrayed a uh, a fat guy and not for comedy. They literally, it is never joked about in the entire movie. And that's, that is really meaningful um, and really important, I think, given what they've done thus far. Um, Because Marvel is, oh boy, very responsible for the uh, current, I think, state of affairs in regards to what like, uh, at least if you, if you, If you buy into the idea that blockbuster film and media uh, influences how we think of ourselves and our beauty standards, which it does, according to research, then Marvel is very, very much responsible for the modern conception of what uh, masculine beauty is, and uh, not in a great way. Like basically, you know, the the classic uh, Steve Rogers transforms into hot Captain America scene. They've just done that, but for literally ten straight years, eleven straight years. (laughs) Um RDJ didn't do it because he got that contract in early. But that's and then uh Mark ruffalo's not actually green. Those are the two. Like that's that's it. Um uh yeah, I guess Bradley Cooper because he got to be a raccoon. So again, <laughs> he managed to escape, but that's that's it. Like everybody, you know, the the we've seen those pictures of of um Chris Hemsworth, for example, when he's not filming and when he's in like relax mode and people are like, Oh my god, he like let himself go and it's such a sad state of affairs. When that kind of thing happens because it's like, no, that's just like a normal person. Like that's like what you look like when you have two kids and you're like living a normal life because the fact is what it requires for them to look like how they do is not normal. It's that's like half of the job is just nothing but lean protein and working out for 10 hours a day and, and you have to put your body through immense pressure in order to get that way. And I think famously Hugh Jackman, for example, it's one of the reasons why he quit. He talked about the fact he couldn't do it anymore. Um, he could not put his body through the changes necessary to play Wolverine anymore. He's too old. So I think that's, that is that is a damaging thing. And the fact that we have not seen any examples otherwise who are not a tree, a raccoon, uh, or the Hulk are 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 important there. And the two times that we did get it, of course, was famously Fat Thor and Endgame, which has been somewhat praised and somewhat ridiculed for, I think, very fair reasons on both sides. Uh, It's mostly there to serve as a joke, which is sad because it's also very, there's a very, uh, there's a very big emotional component and a very tender component behind the the truth of it. But it's mostly played for a joke and that sucks. Um, In the movie before that, in Infinity War, they don't even show it, but they make fun of like almost every interaction with Chris Pratt in that movie, which is not like I'm sad about Gamora, is Chris Pratt's getting fat. That's like the joke. They keep telling him that he's getting fat. Uh, And that's it the whole time. And again, that just kind of sucks. Like that means there's only one type of person. There's one type of hero. There's one type of masculine attractiveness. Um, And of course, this is to say, like, I'm only focusing on masculine here because that's 98% of the Marvel movies. Um, So I mean, you know, even even examples where it wouldn't have mattered, like uh, the famous scene. I mean, I'm not necessarily complaining Paul Rudd's hot as hell but like they even made Paul Rudd get cut to pieces like he's so cut in his movie in Ant-Man even though there's not like a great reason like why would he need like he's a shrinky dude why would he need to be you know like there's no <laughs> so it's nice to see that in this movie David Harbour plays a fat guy uh he's like a big old dad and he's got a big dad bod and he's fat and they mention it once and it is not played for a joke where Rachel Weiss, who plays their adoptive mother, um, who is also a black widow, if I remember correctly, um, uh, she like mentions that she's like, oh, you got fat or something like that. And then like the next line out of her mouth is something along the lines of like and uh, like and powerful as ever or something like that. And essentially they're both looking at each other like they're about to make a lot of babies if this wasn't a PG-13 movie uh they're about to destroy the home that they're in and that is like a I, that's just a big deal like that's a that is a very powerful thing to see in a blockbuster film especially f- from disney who are not exactly the paragons of body type over the past 70 years uh <laughs> let alone marvel you know i i was i was very happy with that and um i think it's great that they play it not for laughs it's you know you can laugh at it when he's trying to squeeze himself into the suit, but almost in the same way the Incredibles did it, where it's not not that he's fat, it's that it's such a relatable thing of like, you still got it, you still got it, you still got it. It's that like feeling of like, "Ah, I can get another good one use out of this that's very relatable. And I think that was, uh, it was just really nice to see. It was very touching.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I always find in movies where I see things done better than I expected, or in a way that surprises me pleasantly, it's always a, a movie where the writer and or director has the sense of like, man, I can't believe they're letting us make this. But this might be the only one we get. And or this is definitely the only one we get. So we can do this thing. I kind of got some like light Ooh. sort of birds of preyishness from this Ooh. where I'm like, Ooh, this was really good. But I feel like they we it's only get this another... because it's self-contained. Yeah. You know, like this, they would not pull this somehow if this were a
0: currently I like that. in the
1: timeline kind of movie
0: it's cynical but i like it i think you're like <laughs> i don't think you're wrong i just i I almost missed that completely but you're right we talked about the during birds of prey i remember that good call yeah yeah. they've said that they plan you know i think feige was like definitely don't rule out that we're gonna see guardian again and whatever rachel weiss's uh-huh. character name is i forget and um obviously we know we're gonna see florence Pugh again but I think it's a really good point that like, even if we see the characters again, it doesn't mean we're going to see them how they were portrayed here again, because maybe that's not okay if you have to enter into a franchise contract. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. No, that's a really good point. That is sort of, it's sort of down, uh, disheartening, I guess, though, because it is so, you're right, it is so like sensitive in a way, uh, but that acknowledgement of like why it's sensitive. Hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah,
1: I feel. I feel very sort of, I think that obviously this movie is a bittersweet film because of the big elephant in the room, which is that, you know, Black is dead. So this is yep. the one thing we get of her and we get to see her alive, though she is not. Right. So, right. That's the bittersweetness that is expected that they, that they're presenting to us on a platter. Right. So there's that element of bittersweet, which is she's dead. So enjoy this journey. Uh, but I feel like there's another layer of bittersweetness which is all these things where I'm like, "Mm, there's so much that you could have done. There's so much that you did do here, but it's just so late. And that is the the sort of, overlaid bittersweetness that I, I wish wasn't there you know like it's two it's two kinds of bittersweet and they they only intended to present one of those so my enjoyment of this movie is a little stifled by just saying well uh, it's 2021 I wish this has got this had gotten a good release a real one I also wish you'd done it a long time ago I wish you'd done some things better I still have issues with how you portrayed women in this movie like what year is it so you know, there's there's two kinds of bittersweetness, and everything I talk about with this movie, I'm like, it's tinged, it's tinged by the fact that you should be doing better, which I I wish just one day that I would watch a Marvel movie and it wouldn't be tinged with that. But today is not entirely that day, but it's also yeah. not not that day, right? Like this was a good movie, <laughs> so that's just the thing. It's a tinge. It's not a it's not a you know a tint.
0: You know, something I think you just pointed out is. This movie seemed like they were, I feel like this movie was caught between a rock and a hard place of their own creation, so I don't have any sympathy for them, but yes, yes. it does feel like it was caught in a rock and a hard place where I'm not really clear why this was a movie. I don't get it. I, like, in other words, if I, I, I think they made a mistake in not making this one of their Disney Plus shows, um, the opening montage that you mentioned before, the credits is fascinating. Like, Really fascinating. So different than anything Marvel's done before. Um, you know, dark, political, uh, and not in the way of like, people are going to say, oh, Winter Soldier was too. Okay, let's not kid yourselves. Like, it's still a Marvel movie. <laughs> I know it was cool, but like, <laughs> it's still a Marvel movie. I'm talking like, not that. It was essentially a born movie opening. Like, it was it was definitely something different. And it really made me long for like, man, I feel like we could have gotten more out of this character because if we had done like a series, if we had done like a six episode order of like her life, this could have been a really good way to celebrate her commitment to this to this franchise, to not only Scarlett Johansson, but the character, to how she ended by seeing, okay, let's see it. Like, what was it like to grow up in the Red Room? What are those early missions like? And then as that's all happening, we also get to see Whatever we can either do different time periods, or you can do parallel times, or whatever you want. Of like Red Guardian in jail, and 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 Rachel Weiss stealing and isolation and whatever. Like it, uh, one of this movie's biggest failings to me is that there's not enough in it, which is also weird because it was nice to have a Marvel movie that wasn't two and a half hours long. It was like a weird, no, like I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like a big theme of this episode so far is that a lot of Black Widow feels like we're feeling two contradictions at the same time. Like, I want to see it on the screen. I don't want to see it on the screen. I am happy with how it was all portrayed. It's not portrayed very well. I wish there was more runtime. I'm thrilled that it wasn't super long. And I don't know. It's like, you can't solve it. It's just that I actually do feel both at the same time. And it's a weird thing. But, yeah, it's, uh, I I still think Disney Plus would have been the way to go. But I do think if we had done that, there would have been complaints about how, like, oh, she couldn't even get her own movie complain, 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 complain. So Yeah. No matter what, they're screwed. Like they're not gonna win. And that's their fault. But I I think it would have been better served there personally, but oh well. Um
1: no I'm I'm so behind you in that by the way no. on it it would have been a great show just because the whole time I was watching it, uh I was like, this is a third kind of Falcon in the Winter Soldiery and that it's a really cool, self contained, mm-hmm. very earthly grounded uh adventure. Uh, yep. number two, it is The Americans the T V show, uh, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> and the opening credits is just straight up the opening credits of The Americans the T V show. Uh they just took the credits and then they put uh Teen Girls cover of uh that that song, the what is it called? The that one. What is it? Teenage Spirit.
0: You should know better. That, that's what I, it's you called, know I don't right? know music. You know?
1: <laughs> okay teen, you want to know the Oh, it smells like teen spirit that's the, the saddest thing yeah. is
0: that song when i heard it i was like oh that's the song from pan the remake of peter pan with hugh jackman instead of like oh that's one of the most famous american songs ever made <laughs> like in my mind i was like oh that's the song from pan <laughs> all
1: our listeners. Okay. anyway i enjoyed doing this podcast with you um but yeah, I anyway. That was. <laughs> There's I think we're a reason just this isn't a music right podcast. That. Um, it was the Americans, the TV show. Great show. Uh, everyone who hasn't seen it, go watch it. Five minutes ago, honestly, turn off this podcast. Like, um, it's the that show is really good. Just go. It's fine. Um, I'll forgive you. Listen to the next one though. We're good. We do good work here. And number three, it would have been really cool to do it kind of like the show Nikita. Did you ever watch the show Nikita?
0: no but I I know of Nikita
1: yeah I, I just want to see I just want to see isn't back, but I am behind you I do think it would make make a fun show but at the same time I agree with you she first off deserves a real good film that again this it's so late and yeah we would everyone would have said well then why couldn't you just give her a movie? Um, yeah. But you're right. I I just felt like it definitely wasn't balancing too many things. It's just that it had so much good stuff to show that I felt sad that they couldn't really show a little bit of all of it. Yeah. So yeah, I want to see more. So. But we are not getting that. So next thing.
0: <laughs> I I you brought something up here. I definitely want to hear more because this is the first time I've heard anyone talk about it. Talk to me more about your your issues with how this movie portrays women. I haven't seen anything about this, and I'm very curious as to what you have to say about this.
1: Okay, it's not it's not super deep, to be honest. Um, my entire issue is just that every damn story about a female superhero, especially in the MCU, is the story of how they have to overcome an abusive control that a, a powerful man has over them. And uh, I just don't want to see that again. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's literally not deep or new. Uh, I, I just wish it was something else um but and you're and like you said and like we both said this is a particularly dark marvel movie and it's dark in all senses it's just dark right from the get-go but obviously since it's dark that means that it lends extra darkness to how the evil man is right right which makes him real freaking evil like especially when he says the whole you know the most abundant resource in this world is young girls or something yes creepy line indeed uh, really cementing that man as a, a villain, but doesn't really stop it from being. Also, that blind guy killed that it. Definitely said, "Yeah, that, that <laughs> I don't guy was know, real that good." Actor. I mean, his Russian accent was questionable, wow. but he was good.
0: He instantly became one of my m- more favored Marvel villains purely because of his portrayal. Like, I, I, you know what? I actually like that you brought this up because it does make me. I feel like part of the issue is like what you're saying of like every Marvel. A, a, a female superhero has the same story like that sucks all the more because there's only three of them right like there's there's other i know people are gonna argue and <laughs> be like oh okoye like no stop like there's three right i know there's other there's side characters but there are three scarlet witch captain yeah. marvel black widow that's it uh, uh like those are the ba- those are the, the three a listers we've got some others maybe coming down the pipeline but those are three a listers uh and all three of them have the exact same story 100 with you i'm more upset at the fact that like This was the best portrayal of that so far. This guy killed it. (laughs) He was actually evil, like despicably evil, palpably made your skin crawl evil in a way that is good. Like, that's awesome. That's a good movie villain. That's the kind of thing that makes you root for the hero and be like, can someone kill this guy? (laughs) Please kill him. I, I usually don't feel that for the movies. I'm usually like, oh, this CGI villain is an antagonist. That's it. Yeah. This was just a guy. Or this
1: man has built a scary tech suit and not yeah. like this man is a fundamentally <sighs> terrifying human being.
0: Yeah. And like his, his, all of his, like all of the terribleness and the, the, the disgusting feeling you get from him comes from simple actions like of a, a, a light placement of the hand on her cheek in a way that makes your skin crawl. I mean, damn. Killed it. Yeah. <laughs> Which again makes me wish we, we would have gotten a series. Like give him give me more of that so that when we inevitably see him fall, it's like a bigger deal where you're like, yes, thank God, bullet in the brain awesome.
1: Yeah. I do enjoy, though, that this movie kind of, like you said, it's not really a spy movie. Like, it really isn't Winter Soldier is that one. But it does, I think it's so funny that people think it is. It really, really is not. Yeah, it's because they're like, we're spies. uh, Well, that's not
0: the same thing. Yeah, I was
1: like, she is a spy, but the movie is not a spy movie. Those are two different things. Uh, But it did, it did. Okay, so here's what it is. It's not a spy movie, but it did have fun. With the cliche elements of spy movies. Yes. Where I really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed how aggressively unkillable she was in the movie like to the point where yep. you're like we know she has to survive everything but god damn like she yeah. survived <laughs> She's fine. explosions and car crashes yeah. and falling from a plane and ba- barreling into people while falling from a plane and she, there was nothing that could kill that woman and totally I really enjoyed fine. that it was just <laughs> sh- exactly yep. it's one of those movies where you're like yep yeah, do more of that because uh, I'm enjoying it I also enjoyed uh, all of the the sort of you should be killing the villain right now, but instead you are doing a speech moments. There were yep. so many points where she could have killed him and not about the pheromone lock like that was gone. She could have killed the man and she was just like, man, right. I'm really going to enjoy killing him. Like, do it. Do it then. <laughs> but yeah. all of those things I think they leaned into deliciously, which I enjoyed.
0: For sure. And I think they did a good job of priming it, too, where they actually show her watching a James Bond movie. And yeah, like moon in that movie, she also like he jumps out of a plane and like I, I like that they kind of prime their own movie with like, hey, that's what this movie is. It's not a spy. It's not a uh. it's not like a political spy thriller. It is a James Bond movie, which is not the same thing. <laughs> like you're going to watch her do sexy stuff and get thrown out of stuff and you're going to wonder how she's not dead. And there's going to be a lot of monologuing because. That's what's fun about that genre. And I think that was cool. I think it's a good bid to be like, this is our James Bond movie. Please don't overthink it. I think that's cool. Um yes. including the point where they're like, obviously Moonraker. I don't I honestly don't know how I didn't see it coming. Where they're like, How are we gonna find the red room? And they showed us Moonraker, and then they were like, This one floats in the sky. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> told <it> had- <laughs> us. They told us. Obviously. Okay, so we have a lot of things to love. We have a lot of things we haven't even touched on in this movie that I think I enjoyed. Rachel Weisz is delightful as always. She is. Adorable. I Man, what a treasure always. Um, the Russian accents are ridiculous, but in a way that's kind of enjoyable. Lots of questions about like, should we be casting Russians that I think are fair? But whatever. Uh, for the time being, it's enjoyable. It's funny. Um, uh, the action, for the most part, I think is very good. So let's talk a little bit about Quibbles. Where, where where do your quibbles lie with this movie, uh? You know that are that are worth talking about.
1: Okay, uh, probably the big one that I think it would be probably criminal to not mention on the podcast is Taskmaster. Um, Taskmaster Ch- important character in the movie, but also super weirdly done to me. Uh, quick thing, right? It's the character that 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 is a sort of robotic mimicky super assassin uh you know thingy and then it's revealed to be the the bad guy's daughter who uh, black would have thought she killed when she was trying to assassinate the bad guy but she didn't die and now she has a chip in her head is being controlled by her dad as an assassin very different in the comics i actually usually don't care about the whole it's different from the comics because there is no ever there's no movie ever that is the same as the comics that's the whole point uh but i just thought that It was just not that fun. Like, it just got so lost in the movie, the character of Taskmaster. um, There was just honestly nothing going on for me there. I thought it could have been a super interesting, emotional thing. Number one, that she's literally mind-controlled by her dad, but I just felt that that just didn't hit. Uh, Number two, that it's the character that she thought, you know, she killed as sort of, um, what's the word, side damage when trying to murder her her dad, honestly, mm-hmm. didn't feel that sadness that hard. It just didn't, it didn't hit that. They just didn't have time to sink in that hard. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel like it, it felt like there were so many opportunities for that character to hit harder and to be an interesting, a more interesting reveal. And it was just fine to me. So, yeah. I don't know. I almost feel like this movie didn't even need that villain at all. Like, it could, you could have left it out, and it could have been an interesting kind of found family movie where she goes for after sure. the bad guy, and that's it. I don't know for why sure. they put Taskmaster in at all.
0: So, from the, the vague bit that I know, just from, and I, I don't know how tr- necessarily true this is, but at least from what I was reading, it sounds like that Taskmaster was brought to them by Marvel, who basically said, like, "You, this is your villain for the movie. You got to put her in it Um, or you got to put it? Sure, felt like
1: that. It felt like they were obligated to put her in, right?
0: And it it kind of sounds like like that was the case, and also that that might be like one of the first time that's actually happened because I don't uh, that to my knowledge that story hasn't really showed up before. Like they've, uh, in general, the stories have been very much about how the filmmakers themselves and the writers are like, you know, uh, I can't wait to do this wild thing. You're not going to let us do, and Marvel's like, go for it. So it was interesting to kind of see that this might be a little bit of a reversal and, and almost more of what feels like traditional Disney of like hey, the marketing team says here's who you have to have in the movie and then obviously they figured out well how are we going to fit this in a way that works for our movie and the choice was to make it the the daughter as opposed to an ex Shield agent I don't I don't know the comics that well yeah. I just have a vague knowledge of that, um, yeah I I agree with you I think the it didn't bother me that he, that she was the daughter. Um, most of the complaints on the internet right now are that they made Taskmaster a woman, which is just Yeah,
1: but that's because they hate women.
0: Whew, is that a forever uh yeah, what a what a forever complaint to deal with. Um yeah, I don't mind that they made her I mean I I don't know why I would mind. I don't know the character to begin with, but B, it didn't feel like it mattered. <laughs> like I don't who would care? There doesn't seem to be any importance as to whether or not it is or isn't for most of the movie. I do think it's made more emotional by the fact that it is his daughter and that he clearly has so little regard for a human life, B female human lives and see his own daughter and thereby his concept of family that he's just fully comfortable with like, oh, let's just mind control them and turn them into death robots. Why not? Um I think that is like a very that is a very emotional thing. And like again, maybe that would have played better if we had more time. My bigger issue with the inclusion of them as a as a sort of sub-villain or secondary villain in this movie is I feel like it was like we got too much. Here we go again, contradictions. We got too much and simultaneously not enough at the same time. Of like in the movie, how we got it, it was too much. Like I don't know, I don't really know why they're there. They don't seem particularly important to it. All of the all of the the the, the um, tension feels like it would have been created even without her. Uh, and she ends yeah. up looking and acting kind of just like how Winter Soldier did for Captain America. Yes. Like, it ends up just being yes. another Winter Soldier, and you're like, okay, well, didn't we do that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Does that seem very similar? Yeah, we already um, did,
1: like, ha- mind-controlled killing machine. so... Right. We, we already what?
0: did that, and it was a big reveal as to who it was, and we've already done that, so I don't know why we're doing it again. Simultaneously, I feel like we didn't get enough where I'm like, is this person's power that they download like the fighting styles of the most powerful people on earth, that seems like that is probably a big deal. And we're going to have to spend several episodes worth of content dealing with the unique ability of this individual to mirror the Avengers, those people whom Natasha calls family. That right there should have been your logline, exactly. right? <laughs> like that's the logline. I was
1: I was mad from an action perspective that <laughs> yep. we didn't get to see so Natasha like all the other widows obviously is specifically trained in all these different fighting styles. I think it we should have had at least one scene where the whole point yep. is that she can't be she can't get her butt kicked because Taskmaster literally is mirroring all of the training she's ever had. Uh, yeah. so right. we could have we, we should have gotten her trying more tricks to sort of you know, do things that would surprise even her because that's the only way out. Right. And that's the whole shtick right. with a character that mirrors your fighting style, which we just didn't get to dive into. So that's like, and that's sad. Even if
0: you're going to stick with just what you have, which is that like Taskmaster mirrors the Avengers, that's spooky. They still only showed us four. I like kept track afterwards where we've got the and shield. They barely and Captain showed it too. It was just like, they have the Black Black bow and arrow with moves. Hawkeye exactly they do the black panther claws and pose and then she fights like captain or uh, like black widow that's it those are the three yeah where's the rest like if you're gonna do it and you're only gonna put her in for this movie and it's gonna be just visual fine but like make it interesting to look at where like i want the first time we see taskmaster i want them to have jumped out of a goddamn helicopter and i want them to hulk smash a car and you're looking at it going like that's hulk smash like i know what that is because i've been watching these movies for 10 years that's a hulk smash and then i want them to like do thor stuff, have them swing around a light pole like a hammer, like whatever, just make it obvious that everything is about me and the Avengers and they just didn't do it. They picked the three most boring ones, which are the guy <laughs> who punches, the guy who shoots a bow, and then Black Widow. <laughs> it
1: just was, it was like an SNL bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like why would you pick those? Even Black Panther would have been more interesting, but you don't see it. So, I'm glad you brought that up. I wow. think that's a that's a good quibble. Um I think my, uh, yeah, my my big thing for this movie, I'm going to do a minor thing off of Taskmaster first, which is we don't actually get any resolution with David Harper and Red Guardian, like, at all. They just drop him by the end of the movie where they're like, we're gearing up to the big final fight. And the big question is obviously going to be, can Red Guardian actually live up to his own memory of himself? What a sad concept that is exactly the same as The Incredibles, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) You're just not going to know. Don't worry about it. (laughs) it just doesn't actually end up really coming like you barely see their fight and the fight's not particularly interesting it's just him and Taskmaster kind of running at each other a bunch Um, and I really wish we would have seen more of like his power and that the ability to actually go back to that skill that he had and or to see the failure and to recognize that like you cannot always live in that memory and maybe he is actually more worthwhile to them as a father than he is as Red Guardian or whatever whatever story you're trying to tell Mm -hmm. They just drop him out. He becomes utterly unimportant by the end of it. And I'm like, okay, well, that sucked. Um, I was a little bit disappointed by that. I wish we would have seen a little more from him. Um my bigger complaint for this movie overall is. Um, how many times, how many times are we gonna do the mind-controlled super soldier? What is the what's the <laughs> give me the over-under? Because and I know like I'm vaguely aware that saying that about Marvel in general, not the MCU, but like Marvel comics, is sort of like complaining that water's wet. Like, I know that's like the point. um, uh, uh, But my goodness gracious, didn't we just do this? Like as they were, you know, they were like, they were explaining that they're mind-controlled and they throw the red dust at them and they're suddenly not mind-controlled. And I was like, wait, isn't this just Winter Soldier again? And also Falcon and the Winter Soldier? <laughs> didn't we just do this in your TV show and a movie? Pretty sure. Um, In a way that was just like having just finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier just felt very I don't know, repetitive? Uh, even that one is like young people. I know they're not being mind controlled and I know that the Widows aren't technically super soldiers, but it just gets to a point of like, we have another floating in the sky organization that's like a S.H.I.E.L.D. clone who is actually making super soldiers who are littered throughout the world. And they even have the same screen of like showing how they're all placed different <laughs> places. I don't know. I'm just like, I get it. <laughs> I get it, but like, what if we just did something else now? <laughs> I don't
1: yeah i also thought it was a little bit uh it was the most interesting part for me was that little moment when elena was sort of saying hey it's different and you don't get it because these days they use a a chemical mind control right so it's kind of it's it's quite literally controlling the brain but in your day it was sort of a like a blackmail sort of uh brainwash mind control which is of course in some senses both are both are scarier and less scary right like in one sense It's much more terrifying that they can control the brain. In the other sense, it's terrifying as hell that they had that same control without the chemicals back in the day. And I wish that instead of just doing another story, which is, hey, mind control supervillain planted everywhere, <laughs> they would have div- tr- dove? That's a word. Dove more into dived? Which one is it? They'd gone more into Lord that divino. distinction and why that's why that's really interesting rather than just going, yeah, they're controlled.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'll be honest, I'm not really entirely sure why it had to be buying control at all. Uh, I'm not really clear why like the the, the 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 whole thing when we first so She could
1: break her nose.
0: That's true. But the the whole thing when we first really learn about her in Avengers is like which is where they got all this from by the way, fun fact for those who who don't remember their decade-old movies, but they first mention Drykov's daughter in The Avengers, uh, in which Loki nice. is talking about all of the things on her rap sheet and how her ledger is covered in blood, and he says Drykov's daughter. Um, you know, we get the sense that, like, she's trying to atone for these past sins that she has committed. Not that she's mind-controlled. Like, the idea seems to be that, much like Tony, and much like a lot of The Avengers, because that's basically all of their plots, uh, other than Steve, is like, hey, we all did some really bad stuff, and we're monsters, and now we're doing everything we can to atone for it. Um, which is also why that's our name. We're the Avengers. We're avenging the world, and also our pasts and the harm that we have done. We're avenging like our own crimes. That's the whole point. Um, and then they're like, no, it's mind control. <laughs> which, I don't know, I, it, just, it seems like it devalued it, where I was like, I, I feel like this story would have been no less powerful if it had been about how Black Widow is finally needing and ready and because she has found her family is ready to go back and turn back to the darkness that she came from in order to make sure that other young women do not follow down her similar path because of reason X, Y, and Z. If they want to keep it about how they're still like abandoned young girls who are like, you know, brought in and and obviously there's still a, like there's an aspect of conditioning to it no matter what, propaganda, etc. That's all good, but like, I don't think it had to be mind control. It feels like it was just another a uh, Winter Soldier. We just had that story, um, but you're right. Then she wouldn't have broke her nose, and that was a really cool scene. That was actually <laughs> legitimately really cool. <laughs> so, guess it's worth it. <laughs> Got to have it for one scene. That's the Marvel rule. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, that was pretty cool. I didn't see that coming. Her solution is almost worth seeing the movie for alone. Truly, did not notice. Yeah, it was it.
1: real fun. Yeah, it was good.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll admit as we finish out here, um, you and I talked about earlier that we don't have a game for this movie, and I still don't have a game. I don't know if you came up with one. Um, I
1: did not. Okay, what great. A, what so, a movie to not lend itself well to games at that's all. Okay. Uh, I have a not suggestion. A diss, it just really doesn't. I have a suggestion,
0: yeah. which is that we find all of the parallels between this and the movie Spy Kids, because the entire time we've been talking, much like a computer running two different programs, I have had. Some some other RAM in my brain running the whole time about how every time you said something I was like God that's just like Spy Kids, <laughs> um and I think in this moment I've realized they just ripped off Spy Kids, I think that's all they did. Um, I'm begging
1: you to start listing them. Yeah,
0: okay, so here's the things that immediately come to mind. Please help me fill in as you can think of it. Um, a the opening montage, the whole sequence, including like the weird t- t- uh tone change between like. The, the the montage credits, but including them running from the house, that all feels very similar to when Antonio Banderas and Carlo Gugino are explaining how they like got married in the sense that like the way that sequence is shot is completely different from the rest of the movie. Literally not the same at all. It's lit different. It's shot different because the whole point is like that was the spy movie, but you don't get to see that movie. And the opening credits of this felt the exact same, where it's like, no, 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 you don't get to see this movie. <laughs> You're going to see something totally different. All right? We're going to start there. Two, uh, you were just you just talked about something that made me think of this. Am I wrong? Am I misremembering Spy Kids? Isn't the plot of that movie that, uh, not Floop, but other guy who's not Floop, actually has a bunch of the kids that are, like, plugged in around the world that are all evil? Yes. Right? He has a yes. bunch of like yes, brain-controlled yes, clone is. kids, right?
1: Yeah. All
0: around the world and they're all sleeper agents. Isn't that the plot of that movie? Yes. Yeah, that's the plot of Black <laughs> Widow. <laughs> that's the plot of Black Widow. <laughs> okay? Uh, you then have the same reveal where it turns out Taskmaster is is Dreykov's daughter. That is essentially the same reveal when they figure out that the Floop creations are their mom and dad. Where they're like, oh, what is this monstrous form? And then they like reach up and they like touch its face and it's like, burr, 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 and they're like, oh my God, it's Antonio Banderas. <laughs> like <laughs> they do the same, like the, the the way they treat it is exactly the same where it's the reveal of like, my God, the monster was actually the person, the, the loved one the whole time. Like it's the same shtick. Um, uh, 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 floop uh i guess this movie doesn't really have a fluke but rachel weiss kind of fills that role of being like the creator who's doing the thing where she's like no this is a totally good idea mind controlling pigs and killing themselves totally chill and floops like hey i can bring evil drawings to life what a fun idea um they fill exactly the same role Uh, the only thing we're missing is is uh what's his face as machete uh, and frankly, I think this movie would have been a lot better off if Danny Trejo could have come jumping through a window and would have been like, I'm here now, I'm Machete.
1: But as himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the I'm third Danny installment.
0: Trejo. I'm in this movie yeah. now. Um I'm sure there's more. Um, they have the fun spy gadgets like the face changers, they have the goofy family dynamics, they have the sibling rivalry and fights, obviously. Um, I'm sure they have more. Can you think of any other similarities?
1: Just when everything is going right and Black Widow is about to kill the guy, just like the thumbs that show up, all the the widows show up. It's oh my god! Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> great call. Yes, very good call. Very good call. Um, wow, yeah, this movie really is just spy kids. <laughs> <laughs> what a place to leave it. <laughs> Go see P- Spy Kids 5, Black Widow uh, in theaters <laughs> or on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Do you think they know? Do you think Robert Rodriguez watched this movie and he's like, wait a goddamn
1: minute? <laughs> I'm going to be super honest. No, because he's really busy and really rich, <laughs> You don't think he noticed? <laughs> I yes, hope he did. I, I hope
0: I hope somebody noticed. I hope one of the actors, like I hope Antonio Banderas took his kids and he is like, this seems very familiar. <laughs> Hold on. I don't know why. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, uh, that is Black Widow. Do you have any final thoughts for us?
1: Um, My final thought is I am excited to see more of Yelena. I'm excited to see what in the world Julia Louis-Dreyfus is doing as Val... Going forward Contas and
0: uh um, Argentina, Val- ballerina Val- Carmen know. San Diego. I'm psyched.
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's her legal government name for sure. For I sure. yeah, I'm psyched to see what the hell is going on there. I'm excited. Yeah, she's
0: gonna kill Jeremy Renner. That's awesome.
1: She <laughs> sure is. I know. She's I the can't hero hurry get we away. didn't she's the
0: hero we deserve. We just didn't know we needed her.
1: <laughs> we needed her when he made his stupid app, but I guess, you know, she came around when she yep. came around.
0: Okay, here's the question I have for you. Here's my final question. Given the end credit scene in which she meets Contas Felina Argentina Carmen Sandiego, and she's like, hey, your next victim is Jeremy Renner. And we know that the plot of the Hawkeye TV show is Jeremy Renner working with the new Hawkeye, who is Haley Steinfeld. Do you think there is a relatively high chance that we get to see sexual tension between Haley Steinfeld and Florence Pugh?
1: I'm not going to pretend this hasn't been on my mind the entire time.
0: So I'm gonna I try and play Kate it really Bishop, cool. I think Kate Bishop in the comics is queer. I think
1: she is. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm truly. I'm just gonna pretend this is the first thought I've ever had. Oh, Great. that's. Yeah, that's really. That's really <laughs> interesting. Oh, first time I've mm, I could see about how they that. could do that yeah i haven't mean, been
0: scrolling that, that in my notes at all
1: gone through my head no um, also because it'll be yeah, such I think a that wonderful would be a follow-up interesting approach
0: it'll be a wonderful follow-up to the fact that in the avengers and every movie ever since it was like oh her and hawkeye seem to have this like love between them and at first you're like oh they're ex-lovers and it's like no they're actually family and this time around they're like guess what black widow and hawkeye they're gonna bone like <laughs> this time it's actually like we're doing it it's the same characters yeah but we're gonna do it i'm psyched yeah that's that. We will have to see how it goes in Hawkeye, which comes out in uh, uh would you just insert that in post. You can insert a robot voice saying August 2021 or whatever. Um that's how editing works. is a master editor. Uh where can where can people find professional sounding podcasts like this, Shalila?
1: And if you want pro work like this, there's only one place. You gotta head to your nearest podcast app, whatever that may be, is we are on all of them and search. Are you still watching? And if you would like to support us doing the work that we do and comparing more movies to Spy Kids when you least expect it, uh, it would be wonderful if you could head over to patreon.com slash A-Y-S-W and support us there. We would appreciate whatever you can do. Uh, And we'd love to hear from you as well. We are on Twitter at twitter.com slash A-Y-S-W pod. And you can find and connect with us individually there as well. But uh, we're very grateful for your listenership. That is a word I've just invented. And uh, tell us what you thought of this movie and or Spy Kids, because suddenly we're thinking about that. They're obviously the same movie.
0: Man, I can't believe that now we have to do a Spy Kids marathon. That's, I just can't believe that that's something that has to happen. I can't believe I'm going to have to pretend Um, I'm mad about it when I'm really excited. You talked about our Patreon, right? You plugged our Patreon?
1: I did, yes.
0: Okay, wonderful, 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 wonderful um i i lose track uh because we're so many places we're so findable Whatever. um you we're know what else on you your can do
1: alexa device
0: i keep forgetting this you know what else you can do is like any other podcast you've been listening to for the past 11 years you could go on to apple podcasts or probably not spotify and you could leave a review and say that this is the best podcast for unexpected spy kids references um that you've ever heard in the last two years um and that'll help other people find us and that'd be great and with that, um, I guess uh, we just have to look forward to more more uh, Rachel Weiss's uh, old uh, mom Black Widow. That's what I'm choosing to look forward to in the coming years.
1: Have a good night. All.